This is Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Industries, and we are back with Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of WandaVision. I just think it's going to be so shocking and confusing and exciting for our fans to dissect what we're doing and why, and for them to try and get steps ahead of us, and that's just very cool, and it's very satisfying. Welcome back, fellow Defenders, to Defenders Podcast. Yes, we are talking about Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of WandaVision. Plus, we are also announcing our pub quiz winner and, of course, the feedback pop winner as well. So, yes, lots to do in this episode of Defenders Podcast. I am one of your making of hosts, John. Welcome back. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. And rounding out this trio of pop quiz poppers. I don't know. I am Chris. I am Groot. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether we call ourselves pop quiz poppers, but uh, yes, lots and lots of entries for our uh, for our two um, goodie giveaways, as we call them, uh, for, for the podcast. So uh, we'll be going through them as we go through the episodes. It's been so much interaction on Defenders podcast uh, over the course of our season for WandaVision. It's been really, really good. Uh, we did get a lot of feedback when we used to do Marvel on um, on Netflix. Uh, we did all of those shows, and it's, it's really interesting. Marvel fans really love uh, to get their feedback in and get the theories in, so really enjoying the, the feedback and interaction we've had this season. Yeah, it's great to be back in the saddle for Marvel, and it's great to have... The fellow defenders back interacting, feedbacking, quizzing, you name it. Um, great interaction. So thanks, fellow defenders, uh, for that. Uh, been really cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we don't have much longer to wait until we kick off again. Seven days, six days and counting mm-hmm. until we kick off the next season of Defenders Podcast on TV Podcast Energy, where we will be discussing. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes, the mm. Falcon and the Winter Soldier six episode series. Um, a little bit longer than the episodes we've gotten of WandaVision and really, really excited. I know we've mentioned it hundreds of times in the show. Uh, I'll mention it again. Definitely my favorite Marvel movies are Winter Soldier and Civil War because I love Captain America and I love his, his cast and I'm really hopeful they can deliver on that promise of those two of my favorite movies uh, in a TV show. Yeah, and with Zemo as well, like, mm-hmm. what a great character uh, he was and the way they played him in Civil War. Yeah. Really, that was that was uh, inspired, I think, uh, certainly from my side. Loved it. So I'm yeah. I'm great to see um, Zemo come in. I keep wanting to call him Nemo, but he's not a fish. Not Baron so, Nemo. Nope. Yeah. He could be. He could be. <laughs> He literally takes off the mask and then there's a the skin mask and there's another one and it's like, it's me, Nemo! <laughs> and his sidekick Dory finding take down Z- the Avengers. <laughs> finding Zemo. Yeah. I'm also really happy to see that uh, Sharon Carter is going to be jumping up uh, as a main character in this series. Sharon Carter in the comic books with Captain America has always been really central to her to his stories over the last 20, 30 years. So uh, even though she only appeared in uh, in the movies for a very short amount of time, I'm really excited to see what they do with her when they have a much more long form of story telling that's going to be cool so really yes. excited to see that next week yes hopefully they'll bring up the awkwardness of uh captain america and the kiss i don't think they will they did exclude that from the uh from the 
previously on a special that they did on, on Disney+. Plus. Cap- Captain America is an intergenerational kind of dating guy. Well, he couldn't have imagined that he would see Peggy Carter again, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Time travel. Who would have thunk it? Yeah. But that perfectly brings up our homework for all our fellow defenders. Yes, this week, not only have you, if you have not watched one division, the making of what are you doing here listening to us? Okay. Probably the pop quiz mm-hmm. and the feedback quiz. Yep. That's fair. But <laughs> pause, go watch the making of and come back to us. But there is also the four, yes, count it, four legends mini episodes up on Disney plus as we speak. It is Falcon throughout the MCU. It is Winter Soldier throughout his journey in the MCU. It is Zemo and Sharon Carter. Mm-hmm. Yes, they all range between six minutes, I think, for Falcon, seven minutes for uh, Winter Soldier, and then a four and a three uh, for um, Sharon and Zemo, yeah. respectively. So there you go. Not long. You can knock them all out in a few minutes uh, or space them out throughout the week. But yeah. that is your history, your homework before we get into Falcon and the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. next Friday. And we really do hope we get the same kind of interaction throughout those episodes of Falcon the Witch Soldier that we have through WandaVision. Speaking of interaction, we did have our pub quiz for the whole season of uh, WandaVision. So uh, I think we're going to kick off there and choose a winner of the pops that will be given away for our pub quiz entrance. Yes, before we kick in, just a quick reminder to pop on over to our website at tvpodcastindustry.com. That will help you subscribe on any Wiccan or Android-loving podcast player. You can also catch us up on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, or any good podcast place where you want to Mm -hmm. listen to podcasts. Or evil. We're there too. Yeah, I suppose. I just, like, we don't, like, who was the villain in one division? Who is evil? Who is just misunderstood? That is the question. There you go. But, gentlemen, I think it's time. We go to the pub. Yes, the One Division pub quiz, fellow defenders. Uh, thank you so much to everyone who has been furiously scribbling down their answers mm-hmm. uh, and sending them in to us uh, for the uh, Funko Pops from One Division. Yes, uh, both Wanda and Vision in Funko Pop form. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So let us kick off with the questions and answers from each of the episodes. And then we will select the winner randomly mm-hmm. um, using um, Google, I guess. Well, using technology. Yep. Exactly. Using technology. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Our question for WandaVision episode one was, what four courses was Wanda cooking for Mr. and Mrs. Hart? The answer was lobster thermidor with mini mincemeat turnovers, chicken a la king with twice cut new potatoes, steak Diane and mint jellies, and a pineapple upside down cake. Mm, I'm hungry now. I know. Mm. I know. And ended off with breakfast for dinner. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> she's using her powers for. Our question for episode two of One Division was What are the stage names Wanda and Vision take in their magic act? The answer is Illusion, Master of Enigma, and Glamour. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, references to the comic books there that we couldn't talk yes. about in the episode because John had chosen that as the question and Chris couldn't reveal that it was from the comic <laughs> books because it yeah. would have given away the answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm it's sorry. okay. Yeah. Yeah. But they're, they're really, they're very two-bit comic book heroes, so it's fine. Yeah. You just, like, kept them in obscurity a while longer. And we have given this to people that just said illusion and glamour. Uh, we didn't have to have the Master of Enigma in there. Yes, exactly. But 
Exactly. If you did, you win my love because you're <laughs> using their true name. And the same with the courses. If you got lobster, chicken, steak, and upside down cake, it was also included. We're we're pretty lenient here uh, on the specifics. Um, question three was: According to Doctor Nielsen, what fruit stages of pregnancy does Wanda experience? Um, the answer is, after four months, um, it is a pear shape. The embryo is the shape of a pear, or the size of a pear. After five months, a papaya. After six months, a grapefruit. After seven months, a pineapple. And after eight months, a honeydew melon. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they were the stages that Dr. Nielsen uh, called out there. And, of course, we saw these different fruits um, as well throughout the episode, yeah. which yeah. was quite nice. Yeah, some really good yes. extra feedback in on the, on the answers just uh, describing exactly how it played out throughout the episode as well, which was really good. Yeah, excellent. And just remember, if you eat four pizzas in one sitting, yes, you too can have a honeydew Melon in your stomach. <laughs> Love it. Uh, question four on episode four. Dr. Darcy Lewis detects colossal amounts of this acronym emanating from Westview. What is the four-letter acronym and what does it stand for? That four-letter ac- acronym is CMB or Cosmic Microwave Background Radiation or Ripples of Radiation from the Big Bang, um, which do, yeah, do play into the hex quite a lot. Certainly do. They also provide um, a lovely sitcom series uh, to be viewed from your advanced military base. Absolutely. (laughs) Next question for episode five was, what birthdays do Billy and Tommy celebrate with a birthday cake in the opening credits? The answer was first, second, third, fourth, and fifth birthdays. Mm -hmm. I wish I could do that. That Five in one. Yes. It's very important because the question was what birthdays do they celebrate? So it is their first, second, third, fourth and fifth birthday that they celebrate. Uh, so unfortunately, we did lose a few people uh, who just said their fifth birthday because the whole joke is that they're celebrating five in one year. Or in one day. Or in one, one day. Cake. <laughs> or in one cake, exactly. Yes, they were kind of like um, a souped up uh, version of the of Queen Elizabeth, I guess, with multiple <laughs> birthdays going on in, in one go. Exactly. Yes, question... Hello! <laughs> yes, question six. What street is at the junction of Alice Avenue? Mm. It is Rolling Hill Drive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we did give it to those of you who just said Rolling Hill, which could have been a feature, but it is Rolling Hill Drive. It's yes, the border yes. of the hex. Border of the hex. And, of course... The infamous meeting of Vision and Agnes, mm-hmm. where she dupes him, well, that we see in flashback. Exactly, exactly. Speaking of Agnes, our question number seven is, what house number does Agnes live in at Westview? Uh, this is in the post credit scene uh, for episode seven, and it's 2804. Yes, I always remember that. American houses always had massive, massive numbers <laughs> on them when I first went to America. Yeah. And it was kind of like... Over here, you just see one, three, five, seven, yeah. and it maybe gets up to hundreds, like where I lived. So yeah, it was it was weird seeing like you know fourteen thousand six hundred and seven such and such avenue when I, I went to the states. It was like, oh my goodness, there are so many houses on this road. <laughs> It's like, this is mind blowing. Uh-huh. Now on to episode eight, gentlemen. How many witches formed the circle at Agatha Harkness's judgment at Salem, Massachusetts in 1693? Mm. 
The answer will surprise you. Well, not really if you go back to the episode and watch it and paused it. It's eight, including Agatha's mother. Yes, the guiding for this uh, question is that it is the circle that's being formed. It's not just how many witches are there. I think a couple of people excluded Agnes's mother for some reason, but she is part of the circle. So, yes. The circle of life. <laughs> the yes, circle of death. The almost. circle of death, absolutely. <laughs> the circle of crusty witches by the end of it, exactly. uh, after Agatha had her way. Uh, dehydrated. We yes. don't call them crusty. Dehydrated. Dehydrated, Dude. yes. And finally, fellow defenders, the question from episode nine. What are the two listings on the Coronet Cinema as Monica Rambeau enters to meet a scroll in the mid-credit scene? Mm. The answer to this was Tannhauser Gate and Put the Fun in Dysfunction. So, yes. And I had to take back my guide that uh, you had to spell it exactly as it, as it is on screen because it's spelt two different ways on screen. They do have Put the Fun in Dysfunction spelled correctly and they use a one on another side of the theatre. So if you put put the fun and dysfunction down, absolutely fine. You're you're in the draw. Yes. Look at Derek overcomplicating the question. I know. I know. So again, thank you so much everyone for being involved. Uh, we had mm-hmm. a huge number of entrants and fifteen uh, have made it uh, claimed joint fifteenth top spot yeah. with all the answers correct and are going into our magical draw um at the hands of technology. Absolutely. Um so Chris, with um your technological prowess, please ask for a random number. Yes. The answer will surprise you. Hey Google, please give me one a random number between zero and sixteen. Here's a random number, four. Four. Number four. Yeah, a big, big congratulations to Matthew Randall there uh, for winning the pub quiz. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, the name out of the electronic hat (laughs) uh, in this case. Uh, Great stuff, Matthew. Um, We'll be sending an email to you to get your uh, the shipping details where we can send uh, the Funko Pops to you. Uh, it's also, we'll be asking you um, which of the two sets that we have, which one you would like. So we have the Halloween version of Wonder and Vision and we have the 1950s version of Wonder Vision, which are in black and white Funko Pops. So uh, we'll ask you to choose uh, which set uh, you would like. Uh, so again, a big congratulations to Matthew for coming top on the pub quiz, the Wonder Vision pub quiz. And of course, the other Funko Pops will be used for the feedback um, goodie as well. Exactly, exactly. We will get to our feedback and we'll give away some more pops later on in the podcast. But we are here to talk about one other thing to close out the series. We're here to talk about the Marvel Studios Assembled Making of WandaVision. That's now available on Disney+. Plus. Yes. Yes, let's get on to the making of WandaVision. Yes, just this... Uh, Marvel Studios assembled, mm. uh, and it goes behind the scenes of the making of WandaVision. Yeah. And um, just in one episode, uh, not like, say, with The Mandalorian, where they 
they did um, a, a making of around about half an hour for each of the episodes. This yep. is just for WandaVision in its entirety, uh, looking at behind the scenes. And I think I think there's a little bit more of also explaining the storyline as well as you yeah. go through this. It's not just purely uh, a making of. And so it, it's kind of a, a little interesting, I, I guess, in, in, in that sense. Yeah. But I think we, we're just going to go through some of the notes, you know, what were the things that sort of, you know, popped for us um, and, uh, you know, what we thought overall of um, this making of um, by Marvel Studios. Yeah. We've covered a couple of documentaries on uh, on Disney+. Plus. We covered the Marvel 616 documentaries yep. that they did where they were just um, kind of some episodes were short, some episodes were long of that, and they, they had a, a central uh, function of what they were trying to tell in documentary style. This is very much the kind of... Uh, old DVD extra that you used to get or, or um, yeah. Blu-ray extra that you used to get yeah. where it's kind of a behind-the-scenes making of. There's definitely some tantalizing stuff in there where they have some footage of filming going on where you're going, well, if you've got that background, that, that behind-the-scenes footage, you have tons more behind-the-scenes footage that I want to see. You know, I'm one of those people that watched three or four hours of behind-the-scenes stuff or the 120 hours of behind-the-scenes stuff at all the Lord of the Rings movies. I'm that kind of person that will sit and watch all the making of stuff. And you can definitely tell there's some stories that don't come out in this documentary. But I do love where it opens at this whole concept of being in front of a live studio audience. We'd heard about it. It's the name of one of the shows, uh, in fact, in front of a live studio audience, but showing that they did actually go through the whole process of filming that first episode in front of a live studio audience. Yeah, pretty it, cool. it was just for the 1950s episode. Yeah. Yeah. And I was amazed that a lot of the audience were dressed in 1950s garb as well. Mm. So the chairs were set up in yeah. 1950s style yeah. and the audience were dressed in 1950s style. That did make yeah. me laugh when, when you hear the director kind of going, we want to make sure it's as authentic as possible, put all the chairs out the way, the way that they would have been. I'm going, that's really uncomfortable. I hope the filming yeah. wasn't going yeah. on for two or three hours. <laughs> but he even made reference to the handrail in front of the first row. That yeah. They, yeah. They, and I'm kind of like, okay, I really wasn't expecting that level of detail. And they even had the big old-fashioned lights, and yeah. they did yeah. use the old-fashioned camera as well. They yeah. used... Um, out some of those um 1950s cameras yeah. um so it was really kind of properly going back in time yeah. which was absolutely fascinating it's great and I, fun. I, lo I love paul bettany talking about the fact that behind stage because they're doing the whole thing live backstage they're running off stage to to change and come back on and they're running into each other backstage to try and deliver this live performance which came from a conversation they had with dick van dyke about how they used to film the show they would film it once in front of a live studio audience and then put it out the next week no major edits. Well, obviously they edit stuff together, but no, no, like five or six takes in front of the live audience. You do it once and and uh, and capture it. Uh, he was saying before that you know when when they do in front of live studio audience up to the eighties, you'll have people warming up the crowd, going, "I know you've heard this joke fifteen times, but can you just react to it as if it's the first time you're hearing it?" Whereas back then it was, "We are delivering the joke to the audience. Whatever reaction we get is the reaction that's going on screen." So uh, I thought that was really interesting. It really sounded like a stage play, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And I was just absolutely shocked with just the the commitment. Yeah. I suppose. And the other thing is, you've got the Marvel money. Yeah. Yeah. Jack Schaefer and Max Chapman were able to, and we actually did find out this was also a, a Kevin Feige baby. All of the MCU is one of his babies, absolutely. but they do specifically call out he yeah. was deeply involved. I suppose when you have that level, you're able to kind of go, 
yeah, we'll pay that little bit extra to fish and like out a light bulb for the official like 1950 yeah. stage light. Or do you know we need that and the original guardrail for the studio? Let's go get it out of <laughs> yeah. and like welder it back together. I'm like, okay, you're going that extra mile, mm-hmm. but surprisingly, and I don't. Well, we. I I, su- I suppose I do say this often. It worked out so well. Yeah. It was such a choice. Yeah. It was perfect because when you saw it then, well, sorry, sorry, when we saw it originally, we were like, "This is amazing." When you see how it was done, mm-hmm. yeah, you're like, "Oh wow, okay, yeah, yeah, absolutely." Like it's interesting though. Even with that, there was a really interesting line where they said this would normally be a quick uh, switch where they have to go and change, but just because um, of some of the, I guess, more prosthetic elements or CGI elements that they had to put into this as well, particularly around yeah. vision. They said this will be a longer version. So, you know, a few modern things did kind of maybe, Absolutely. um, not fit. And, and that's, you, you get that. That, yeah. that's understandable. And um, I, I did- think, um, as well, like Deborah Joe Rupp as well loved doing that 1950s yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff as well. Um, she just says, I love the clothes from that era. Yeah. You know, again, that the detail on the clothing she, she loved as well as there's a really nice bit with her where she says, and I loved doing the Marvel stuff where she had a whole body scan. Yeah. I love the excitement from, uh, from her voice. Yeah. Uh, and she, she well, really, she was told by her niece or a nephew that if she didn't Crazy do Marvel nephew. Show, she'd yeah. be she'd be knocked out and they'd never speak to her again, which is hilarious. Yeah, so, her, her great yeah that was cool. I loved seeing that from Deborah Joe Rupp. Absolutely. One of the other really fortuitous things, it sounds like, from how they were doing this filming, uh, when Matt Chapman went to his uh, head of SFX saying, we're going to be doing this stuff real. We're yeah. going to be doing it just yes. like back in Bewitched. And it turns out that he had been trained by the people that worked on Bewitched and he was going, this is going to be great fun. So I love the really pra- the practical shot where you have um, Wanda making the uh, making the chicken uh, using her magic and then they literally lift the chicken out of the screen and put in a burnt <laughs> one. <laughs> the guy just hiding behind yeah, exactly. the, ca- the island counter. I was, but, uh, it was cute. That was really good. And, and yeah, just the whole... Um, the wire work. I loved seeing all of this, whether it was the, the, the low level visual effects from, um, the 1950s where mm-hmm. they have the, the, the recipe cards on strings yeah. and, and the different, um, the, the floating ingredients that Wanda's trying to magically cook up. Um, I love that. Um, as well as just, I guess, the, the, the modern day, uh, wire work of seeing Agnes suspended above the road. <laughs> Yeah. Um, or Wanda down in Agnes's basement, yeah. sort of uh, hogtied, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. As well as the really good one, just that low-level flying wire work from, with Vision. Um, it was just yeah. that was really cool. I loved all that. Um, I think it, it made it really just so, that was so interesting for me. I was I was wondering in that fifties set though. I'd love to have seen a camera shot, say from middle of the audience and um, seating, just to see. Can you see anything <laughs> once all the cameras are there? Yeah. Because those lights, those like period lights from the fifties, were big. They yeah. were really big. They kind of seemed like they hung down quite a lot. And of course, um, but the other interesting thing that came out of it was that I guess they, they provide the panorama shot for the audience because a, the really interesting bit around the camera work, how 
it's very stationary yeah. uh, for the 1950s and, and it gradually becomes more fluid and um, different angles as you move through the different sitcom periods until you have the full widescreen yeah. element being shot, you know, like the, the battle the between Agatha and, um, and Wanda above Westview. So like even just that, the, 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 the evolution of the camera work from 1950s sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really fascinating. That's really interesting. Yeah. Like there was all these little, little bits, like the, we knew that the stage, the house was quite similar. Yeah. But I wasn't too, it was the same stage and they just completely redressed it. Yeah. But it was the same volumetric space mm-hmm. that they were dressing and they had built it in that way. And I was like, did not think that. Yeah. Did not cop how they had done that all the way up until the, the 2000s, until the Modern Family one. Exactly. It was like they took the idea from Dick Van Dyke's show that you have the sitting room and then beside the sitting room you have the kitchen and the whole way up they were just replacing bits of the set to make yeah. them more... Uh, more appropriate for each period they were going through. That was really cool. Yeah, it was really good. Did Did you think it was interesting with Paul Bettany, though, on the 50s set? I really got a sense that he was quite nervous doing it. I mean, yeah. by the end of it, he embraced it. I mean, he has that kind of joke that he, he says with Elizabeth Olsen that I haven't done... Um, stage work since 1860 and i was like i know he's joking but i was just like does that mean he hasn't actually done stage work uh, apart from maybe at drama school or something like that he's done a few but it wouldn't have been a major part of his career yeah i guess the interesting difference isn't it with this is that it's live not only for the audience like you would get in the theater but ultimately Matt Shackman as a director needs to get the shots as well. Yeah, so yeah. that it, it's like double pressure, I guess. But I, I love that he seemed really nervous because, uh, and then he, he, you know, he did embrace it because when the, they were introduced on stage and at the end when they were taking the bow, um, it felt like he was copying Catherine Han with some of her gestures and she, it looked like she was much more comfortable in that situation. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it, it's great that he embraced it. That's it. Yeah. No, I think he has said he was doing when they were doing press towards the end of the show on the kind of late night circuit in the US. He was discussing that when, um, his wife, um, was having her first son or first child. He had done, because he wanted to stay in New York, he had done some Broadway plays. Right, right. But, like, nothing made, like, nothing on the, it's the same, and it's the same as um, Elizabeth uh, Olsen. She had not done that much. Yeah. Uh, like, they were more, always been TV or movies, kind of. I, I loved people. her comment that when she was in stage school learning how to do all this stuff, she was like, oh, I'm never going to need to know this yeah. stuff. And then suddenly she needs all of us to do that, to do these shows. It was really good. Uh, speaking of Matt Chapman, we've mentioned him a few times, and Jack Schaefer. Uh, first time we've really seen some interviews with Jack Schaefer. There's, there have been some released this week. Chris was uh, talking about it last week that you see a lot from Matt Chapman, and he's been doing interviews around the circuit. But Jack Schaefer, there's only been a few interviews released since last Saturday. Um, and in the show here, we only really see her for about two or three times. Um, and she, she is the central or the head writer, let's say. Um, the comment that Matt Chapman has made a few times is Marvel don't really talk about showrunners in the same way as other studios do because Kevin Feige is effectively the showrunner for everything. But yeah. Jack Schaefer's the head writer came up with the concept. 
But I definitely want to talk about uh, Matt Shackman and how they and how everybody else refers to him. They call him the uh, the Swiss Army knife they needed uh, for this show because he's a theatre director. He's done tons of stage plays since he was in school. He used to be a child actor, so he absolutely knows the comedy on uh, sitcoms. Styling, on sitcoms, exactly. Uh, he, he'd done some of the major sitcoms from the eighties, so he knows how these sets work. And he's also directed TV, tons yeah. of TV, like uh, Game of Thrones, I think they mentioned uh, a few times. And we've mentioned the kind of shows that he's done. So he does really seem like he has a wild, a wildly vast career, of, uh, which has been put to great use of this show. And I literally think it's just the beginning. That's it. I, I, well, and I say, it's just the beginning of his career. No, like... Like yeah, he's gone. He's he went through. Um, he was on Fat Man Beyond. Uh, yes. I think last week or the week before. Um, and he he went through his kind of, uh, as Kevin Smith says, his bona fides, his kind of CV. Yeah. And yeah, like he he grew up in he grew up in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, he he was a child actor. So and he he worked with, um, the Growing Pains team yeah. and things like that. Um, the he spent I think it was like almost three months on the Game of Thrones set, which I never knew, but they filmed some of the later seasons in one go, like all the episodes. So they had multiple crews filming multiple episodes and the, at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And it was all done like in one big fell, which is very interesting of from course. a kind of, from a production point of view. Can you imagine the, like, as a, the level of project management needed yeah, to kind of go, okay, you're going to be here today and that's what the edit. Very interesting. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. One other thing that did come out of that, Chris, which I have to uh, give you compliments on, because we had a big question at the beginning of the series about how the show was supposed to be released and what way it was going to be released. We discussed about originally, you know, it's a nine episode series. Releasing one a week would be the way that they would do it. Um, they ended off releasing two a week. And Chris, we'd seen three episodes, I think, uh, were released yeah. to the to the press. And Chris, you were saying that you thought that it should have been uh, three episodes released at once. Uh, Matt Chapman did confirm it was absolutely supposed to be episode episode one, two, and three, the two black and white episodes followed by one episode in color, all released on the same day to begin with. And unfortunately, due to COVID, they simply couldn't get the episodes yeah. completed in time. And it wasn't even the third episode because that was released to the press. It was that if they'd done that, they'd be a week early and have to have a gap at some point later on in the season to get the season finished. He said he's st- he was still working up at, uh, on the show up until mid-February of this year, still trying yeah. to prepare it and get it out there. There were still elements to do. So uh, very tight to the wire because of the shutdown they had last year. Yeah. And I think that's one of the interesting, it's one of the, not the interesting, it's one of the the issues, If I, I, I'll say, I'll ha- I have with the, this documentary mm-hmm. yeah. which is it doesn't address that Absolutely. it goes up to the point yeah. and in the interview since in the last kind of 7 to 14 days since the show was finished we've heard we we've heard how covid hit them hard yeah. and how it yeah. uh, it not it how essentially it changed parts of the plot to not when i say parts of the plot it changed how they, what they want, what they ended up showing. So there yeah. are scenes filmed. Um, yeah. For example, there's a, a Senor Scratchy yeah. rabbit scene with uh, uh, Bo, with um, Monica Rambeau, the two kids, and uh, one of the, with um, uh, Pietro, fake Pietro, um, and Senor Scratchy, uh, where they are trying to get out of the basement. Mm-hmm. And uh, Senor Scratchy turns into a demon or some kind of monster, as yeah. the familiar, and it, it it literally was filmed CGI'd. It's done, edited, done. Yeah, it's just wasn't. They couldn't get it 
up to Marvel standard done. Yeah, they, could, in they time. couldn't complete the full SFX, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah like, but it is interesting. I don't know how that scene would have actually played in the show as well, um, because it, it seems like a, a massive moment that they've lost. Uh, with no follow-up afterwards, really. We know they lost a fair few things because they couldn't have Kat Dennings back to yep. film her role at the end of the season. Definitely throughout the show, but exactly as you say, Chris, is one of those things when you see the footage and that just kind of speaks that there's other things going on in the background that they could have used to tell this story of filming in COVID. Yeah. It feels yeah. like they got the direction to say, look, in the future, nobody wants to talk about COVID, so uh, leave all that all that stuff yeah. out because you can see in the big battle at the end the sequence where all of the um the extras and all of the uh, main players in Westview are surrounding Wanda you see everybody in the background wearing masks it's yeah. only the main four or five players that are coming towards Wanda that aren't wearing masks so they probably have been in their bubble and everybody else are day players so they're stepping back and you're going I'd love to hear that story I'd love yeah. to hear how you how you were able to determine we can film this thing outdoors when there's this massive pandemic going on um but yeah. it's seems like they got the direction not to do it it's and and i mean i i think yeah they they don't really have that um i i think for me um i i as well i would have loved to have seen more screen time in this with jack schaefer mm-hmm. but also yeah. her with matt shackman because i think he drops off in this a bit as well you yeah. know he's very much there talking about the 1950s um episode and, and the challenges around that which was excellent it, it almost felt to me that that was um, a bit like when on the Mandalorian they described the volume, how this new piece of technology was being used mm-hmm. and what it could deliver. Um, and this was like the, the reverse of that. Um, and I think it would have been really nice seeing like on the Mandalorian making of having Jack Schaefer, Matt Shackman and Kevin Feige sat down discussing the, those intricacies yeah. maybe with yeah. one of the staff writers some of the sfx like they did in mandalorian i really enjoyed that from the mandalorian yeah, I loved that. Uh, where they had that kind of round table discussion about the process the technicalities all this kind of thing well we we get three kind of pretty short snippets of jack schaefer right at the start and then yeah. just nothing and I, I just think um having those three main players involved along with supporting people in production and SFX and what have you um, at differing times would have been really, really good because, um, you know, you just kind of got the sense that Kevin Feige came on set and said, no, you're not. I mean, you didn't know what he was saying. So you were kind of like, in my mind, I was like saying, no, we're doing it this way. Like, (laughs) yeah, he kind of was almost a bit imperious of him coming on the set. And it would have been really nice just to have had that three-way discussion between mm-hmm. those players yeah. with other people at various times uh, around a specific thing um i think yeah. uh, that's kind of what i missed a bit from yeah. from this to be honest um because there was a lot of talking about the actual plot as i said yeah. which yeah. we don't really well, we've seen it. <laughs> need to know exactly yeah. and you know it, it's like when they almost introduced vision and wonder as to how they got the parts and their role in the mcu <laughs> right at the start and i just thought yeah. What would have been better that would have been incorporating, um, you know, we, we have this great bit from the, the SFX leads in this talking about, you know, the standard of the MCU SFX work and it had yeah. to match that within mm-hmm. the TV and showing it in that way. Um, because that was a great conversation uh, about yeah. how, you know, effectively in filming in black and white, you had to have 
blue vision yeah. effectively yeah. that was yeah. that was yeah. really really cool and yeah. um, because they still had to do the 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 sfx work to effectively uh, map his head and track the his his movements and map vision's head onto all that work that paul bettany yeah. was doing were really you good. surprised at that i was really surprised that it's always been completely cgi his head yeah. i was really surprised that yeah, i always thought too. that over the years it was um it was some type of makeup work that was being done on his face augmented in some way but i never realized it was effectively him in a bald cap painted and then cgi put on top of his face for every time he is in that uh, in that style, yeah. in that version of vision like i love the the special effects person saying to matt shackman do you really need him to be vision here <laughs> and, and jack Schaefer saying you know do you really need it cuz that gives us a ton of cgi work to do in this really simple episode where we're not supposed to do any cgi <laughs> so I really like that yeah. No, I absolutely loved it. And I did. I, I've never seen that scene with him and John Favreau doing the Jarvis voice. That was hilarious. Again, you know, you don't know whether, whether, whether it's true or not. Paul Bettany is known for trolling fans, particularly, but that, that idea that, uh, that Favreau called him up and said, I really need a very boring voice to deliver yeah. pieces of dialogue. <laughs> and I thought of you initially. Uh, you don't know whether that's Paul Bettany being self-deprecating, as he always is, or just having a joke, but, uh, it sounds like a very funny, uh, funny moment. Anyway. It sounds like something John Favreau would say. It though. does. It does. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just, so, Jumping back slightly, mm-hmm. um, there's there's two aspects. One on on Jack. The question I have is why she wasn't out more in front, and I think it's probably a personal opinion. Maybe it's a personal decision. Um, Perhaps yeah. But so we'll yeah. see. We'll we'll know more now yeah. as we get into the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So it depends on whether the the director is pushed forward. So in the, the interview processes, yeah. or whether it's the writer as well. So it could be. It can be, I think it might be depending on who's more comfortable in front of cameras and interviews and things like that. Potentially. And, and the world is a very different place now as well. Like if they were on a, if they're on a media tour where they had, they would absolutely bring the director, the head writer and the cast together to go to multiple places. They did that with all their shows on Disney. Whereas I think this idea of having to set up a Zoom call with a bunch of journalists and have them take down their notes and, and put it out is, is you know, it's not as much fun uh, in some ways. So uh, definitely this week, there are a couple of uh, interviews with Jack Schaefer, which have uh, which have some really good quotes from her on, on her experience on the show. Yeah. She did say she's busy at work on something else already. Excellent. Excellent. So stuff, I yeah. would, I'm so interested to see what that is. I, so I'm wondering if she's been in a writer's room on something else. Very likely, yeah. We know she's wor- she worked on uh, Black Widow 2, uh, which is coming out later on this year. So we know that she has got her ties with uh, with Marvel. Yeah. Um, so potentially Captain Marvel 2 is in the writing right now. So. It's uh, apparently even uh, closer yeah. uh, than we think. Uh, the, uh, the other one I found, just because I think this is so interesting, uh, in an interview that was released last night, Mephesto was never... No. considered oh, no. for this. Oh, no, we definitely like, know that. She, yeah. li- she has literally turned around because uh, Matt Chapman was saying kind of like, oh, everything was up in the air. Everything was on the table. And she literally t- turned around and it came out yesterday. She was like, no, no, no. We never considered the demonic kind of Mephesto. He was yeah. never in our on our board from a, a writing perspective. And yeah. I was like, Oh, you just like <laughs> I know you can so hear many theories have just, just died. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's the great thing about yeah. the theories is like speculation is fantastic, and and then you kind of that's the thing you get the process yeah. of what she was doing, and I I kind of wish some of those interviews had been 
in in this, in this. making of exactly um to to okay maybe you know as and when it was filmed they couldn't have reacted to the fan theories so much but just even having that sort of um contrast of this is how we developed it yeah. this is you know um and I, and maybe maybe that's just a little too close to the marvel process within this as and probably Feige was like no and it's a shame um you know they would give too many secrets away as to i, I don't know who knows but um again well, another theory <gasps> maybe but but you're right chris the comparison between the two of them with with Matt Shackman when he was on uh, fat man and batman or fat man beyond sorry uh he was asked that question about mephisto about the theories in general and he just kind of said i love the theories theories are great they they fuel the how much fun everybody's having watching the show and jack schaefer presented with pretty much the same question what did you think when people started thinking about about mephisto and it was very much i went oh no because that has nothing to do with our show (laughs) and i know what's happening i know what's coming out every week are people going to be massively disappointed with this theory they came up with we talked about a lot in our feedback section last week as well about this idea of did theories uh, play into what people's perception of that final episode would have been, you know. But it is fascinating to think that they had their own plan for the show. They thought certain things were going to land certain ways. And that's absolutely what you need to do when you're writing a show. For example, yeah. the Evan Peters casting was purely to talk about grief and what it can do to a person. It was Wanda should know in the back of her mind that this isn't her brother, but she's willing to accept it because of the grief that she's gone through. Whereas that turned into... The X-Men are coming to the Marvel Universe. The mutants are coming. They they say they didn't intend that to be as big a thing. They knew it would be a fun casting for the yeah. audience, but they didn't think it was going to turn into everybody expecting to have Professor X appearing in the final episode. <laughs> they definitely knew what they were doing, but yes. they just didn't expect it to go the way it went. The, I have one question for both of you. Uh-huh. When uh, Teona Paris was discussing the bad people mm-hmm. uh, in that interview, her last reaction when she talks about Hayward. Yeah. When she talks about Josh Stanberg and she goes, oh yeah, he was the bad guy. Oh yeah, yeah, he was really bad. And we talked about like, hmm, what was cut? What, what, why, what just, that last with him basically being, just shooting the kids yeah. and things like that. That has now led me to be, there was something else. There, there was, was yeah. there was definitely a cut scene for whatever reason or a, something that couldn't be refilmed or what for whatever that had to been shifted because she specifically calls him out as being this really bad guy. Well, they say he, she said he has his own agenda and he's yes. going against them all. So again, she kind of says every, th- those major three. Wanda, yeah. Agnes, and him are the three big bads of the season. He has his own agenda that he's trying to trying to um, enact. Um, but you're right, watching this documentary and seeing specifically those moments at the end in those scenes that would have been made up with the, the Hayward moment where he shoots at the kids, you can tell there, that there must have been something else that was going on. But seeing yeah. that everybody's covered in masks and there's a, a little comment from the set designer where he says we normally would have a lot more time on production when we're doing these types of shoots, but we literally only had two days to film everything and over 12 hours we had to change over from yeah. 50s to 60s to 70s. So you're kind of going, okay, well, they actually probably built in this really short shooting schedule because it's COVID and people have to yeah. get back home and people and only certain people can get here and stuff. So, so yes, I think it might have been much more defined what Hayward's 
approach would have been and maybe a big a yeah. bigger battle at the end and they took the shorthand way of going this guy's evil look at him shooting the kids <laughs> you know, yeah which which is a good shorthand it not is gonna lie <laughs> it certainly makes the point exactly yeah, yeah so, i love that design challenge um oh yeah through the timeline about changing the set of westview like mm-hmm. all the different fonts the colors the styles to, yeah. for the different periods and it really like um it connects in like i was talking about the the camera work as well but um elizabeth olsen has that um has a really nice little point about um you know the or as well the editing where they borrowed heavily from the twilight zone with regards to yeah. camera tricks um to give off to give that off kilter feeling yeah. from the first sort of three or four as it, it's building and you see that something's off in this world and um, you know the jump cuts and yeah. the repetition uh all these different techniques which was uh, really good uh, as well as then the whole musical piece of the different themes um, and the WandaVision motif that runs oh, yeah. uh, through uh the different sitcom themes I love like you know the the bebop jazz for the 60s they kind of said you know, um, fifties, we were all kind of knew what that would be. Yeah. And the one era that everyone seemed to have an affection for, uh, from Jack Schaefer, Max Chapman to the, the two, um, composers mm-hmm. for the music was the, was the eighties. You know, they had grown up or they were yeah. children of the eighties. And even with, even Elizabeth Olsen saying this, this perm wig is awful, but I'm kind of getting used to it and quite liking it. Yeah. Like just the, the costume design. And I think one of them, people actually went out in this stuff, um, uh-huh. back in the eighties. And it was like, yes, yeah, did. they did. Um, <laughs> yes, I did. I had the most psychedelic tracksuit ever. Yeah. And I'm like going and a perm. <laughs> and, the curve, and leg warmers <laughs> and really dark lippy and very deep eyeliner <laughs> well I, I had four older brothers so I was dressed as a 70s kid all the way through the 80s with hammer <laughs> me so, too uh, yeah. I did like that with Elizabeth Olsen saying you know well I was born in 92 so I didn't really experience the 80s but I'm kind of experiencing it now <laughs> so it's, uh, that was quite fun the um the the composers we yes. just I think before we kind of wrap up into final thoughts and yeah. on this I want to talk about the the composers absolutely can and I give you a quick piece of feedback from uh, from Twitter from um, Matt Murdoch uh, musical concepts over on Twitter uh, he does some great work on uh, on a podcast where he analyzes music uh, within Ooh, TV amazing. shows that he covers uh, he just sent it a quick message to us after watching the um after watching the documentary he says that was pretty good uh, two things I never really considered one of which I'm really embarrassed about he said number one having the crew dressed up in period for live shoots is a great choice and the second one that musical motif in every single mm. theme tune wow I should have yeah. caught that shame on me says Matt um, he's very good at picking out the the use of uh, of the themes throughout uh, various shows and, and how they use it in the background of of um, of the music that's going on the score that's going on so it was really interesting to see uh, the two composers sitting beside each other showing you how they incorporated the basic theme into every single one of the five theme tunes wasn't it yeah i i was absolutely both shocked amazed and just like oh my god yeah that was it's just it was so perfect and it's like (laughs) and then just he just and he just did that little like and the 70s 
and the 80s exactly and the 90s yeah and it was just like oh wow oh what oh uh. <laughs> what i what i said in response was i did notice it because the reason why you notice it is because instantly as soon as you hear the theme tune you're singing it because you already know the tune before you've even heard it yeah. before you've heard the 80s version you've already heard the 50s 60s 70s version in your in your mind so it catches you really quickly one uh, division one division <laughs> the um the bit that i was again Slightly like, oh, uh, it was Agatha all along. Did not really. Obviously, this was filmed before mm-hmm. it was became a charting success. Number one on uh, iTunes charts. Yeah. 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 So I was absolutely like, again, this was the kind of like, oh, I would have did it like a drop take if they could have on that. Yeah. To kind of go. And what did you think? And how was the like, are you happy with the reception of like it charting? And yeah. They just didn't have that. And I was like, oh, you probably did not know it was going to be that big of a song. Exactly. The only nod that we saw to it was the absolutely wonderful uh, moments where Catherine Han does her laugh to camera, her oh. witch laugh to camera for about <laughs> 10 minutes and walks away and goes, that was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and she just slaps the tree as well. <laughs> yeah. She was like, Great. yay! I love that. It's so infectious, yeah. that laugh. Um, I just brilliant and i mean the thing is she's kind of become a meme sensation as well with the wink and with the laugh Mm -hmm. uh so good but i i loved um yeah i loved the kind of uh enthusiasm and sparkle from Catherine han in this and just saying that you know her character was this blooming onion um and in it the true center of of it was this fabulous uh witch and she just she couldn't actually conceive of any other part that she would want to have in the marvel universe yep. other than yeah. uh agnes and I, I think that was yeah. um yeah it just sat, it was so um great hearing that enthusiasm and yet yeah, let's hope that um she's back so Read this yesterday, so we're recording on the 13th. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the 12th, uh, it was uh, slipped that, uh, I think it was by Matt Chapman again, um, that yes, they have written her uh, in a way that she will specifically, so she can be used in upcoming Marvel projects. Exactly. So the ending was done. Yeah. In that she can be called upon. Yeah. Uh, and when pressed, kind of like, well, yes, of course. You want to do that with all your characters. If she had gone to jail, she would have been available. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, you will see Catherine Han in the MCU again. <laughs> I hope Because so. everyone was just like, we have to see her. Like, we have to see her yeah. again. And so in what I can only assume Doctor Strange do. Or Loki, or yeah, there's loads. Loki of is already future. filmed and cut. That yeah. was my bit. Yeah, yeah. So in theory, that should that's wrapped. They're still doing principal photography on uh, Doctor Strange two yep. in in London. Absolutely. Um. So, but the decision would have been made possibly months ago oh, as yeah. well on it. So I mean, it, I I guess that's the thing. It could even be that in terms of writing, it's just they had to make sure that she wasn't dead for basically <laughs> um so that because she was already being um included in some way yeah. into um another project it, it's if it was 
I guess it's if Agnes or Agatha was going to die in that one, where they might start yeah. to go, oh, okay, maybe, yeah. maybe not, yeah. um, you know, have that decision. But, uh, yeah, it was great seeing Agatha. Absolutely. I think she's going to be in the next Spider-Man movie. Uh, anything oh, else about the making of WandaVision before we shut this part of the podcast down, boys? And the only thing uh, that I want to... The only other note I've got is I, I really like the discussion of the old comic costumes that they wore on, on Halloween. And mm-hmm. I, I really, um, you know, Paul Bettany loved it, obviously. Um, he talks about how high uh, that waistline was put with those shorts. Uh-huh. But also with Elizabeth Olsen, you can really sense the journey that she's been on in Marvel that she, yes. she would not have wanted to go anywhere near that costume when she started out. It was a um, quote that was out yeah. there from her original interview yeah. back uh, back when she did Age of Ultron where she said, I will never wear the, the, <laughs> that type of costume. But, but yeah, as she says... Look at the context, look at the number of years exactly. you've been there, and, and actually, and, very different situation. And the immersion in this world over time, yeah. and that she ended off loving, um, you know, putting on the the Scarlet Witch Halloween costume, the yeah. old school comic um, look, and I thought that was really good from the two of them. I mean, yeah, Paul Bettany absolutely it came across that he adored that crazy outfit and how just, uh, you know, weird and wonderful it was. Um, So, yeah, uh, that was just my only note, really. Excellent. Excellent. Um, just want to give another shout-out to the uh, to the visual effects people and the team that did the set design. I think yes. both of them just did such an amazing job of just hearing just even little snippets of how difficult it was with the amount of time they had available to them to deliver a movie quality version of this show. Fair use to every single person that was involved in the backstage. That's what I would love to have seen lots more of as well. Yes. Yeah, no, 100%. I completely agree on that. So I guess, as we usually do, uh, let's go into our defence for Marvel Studios Assemble, the making of WandaVision. Chris, do you defend this episode of WandaVision, let's say? (laughs) I'm I'm 50-50. I I think this, it's, it's, they could have gone further. I think that's the key on this one. Yeah. Uh, and I, to the, to what we know they can do with, say, something like the gallery on Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Like, you can go to that level of detail. And I think that's what's missing. Yeah. Um, I, again, I hate to say it. I think it's COVID. I yeah. think COVID yeah. just wrecked production yeah. towards the end. And it also probably wrecked pickups for this documentary. And they yeah. just kind of had to, stitched together without the final recordings. Yeah. Um, because even the interview parts look like they were done during the original filming. Yeah, much it's, earlier on. I oh, much yeah, earlier stuff, in the yeah. kind of production. Yeah. So I, I think that's it. So I'm like 50-50. I was like, yes, I think you just could have gone further. So hopefully for the likes of the Loki one, maybe, uh, where now they can, like months past production kind of you can now some film sets are up and running hopefully they'll be able to kind of dive a bit deeper yeah. but yeah i'm 50 50 john do you defend this episode of uh the making of one division yeah i mean i do i i i defend it i'd give it um you know three spanks out of uh five um <laughs> I, I i i think uh i think you mean spanks with an x not like yes exactly yeah exactly <laughs> um i i think um yeah i agree with you chris it, it i think it was just 
probably cut out by COVID. Um, and I think it would have maybe panned out slightly different. But nonetheless, you know, it really just show the homage to the US sitcoms in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's some really good stuff in here. I think particularly around, you know, the camera work, the SFX, the live studio audience, uh, the music, uh, and how they, you know, the design challenge of putting it. That is kind of, that's in there as a mm. whole. But I, I think, um, you know, it, it doesn't really feel cohesive, but it's in there and it's really fascinating. Um, I think the main thing I would have liked to have seen is just Jack Schaefer, Matt Shackman and old Kevin Feige having that round table, yep, like I mentioned cool. before. I think that would have been really cool. Yep. And, and who knows, you know, it's kind of the first one they've done of that. So, I mean, even yeah. their kind of extras on the MCU Blu-rays that you see kind of are pretty low key, you know, when, when you compare it to like the Lord of the Rings, yeah. uh, aspect, yes, no pun intended. Um, okay. you know, it, 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 it's not really, the, the the focus is on the production and i guess here that with the covid protocols that yeah. needs to be put in place the focus when they came back was absolutely on nailing the production that was going to be televised um and that the the making of maybe just took um that that back seat so i guess it was affected but yeah it's still a defend and i definitely recommend it because some really good stuff in here yeah. uh with with what they have uh with the cast the production um as well as the the showrunners as yeah. well Actually, there's one person in there, Tiana Paris. I absolutely loved her excitement when she was being interviewed about the role as yeah. uh, as Monica Rambo. I really did. It was so infectious watching her. And you see most of the other cast that have been in Marvel movies in the past, you know, they they obviously are on are, are really enjoying their roles on the show, and that's great. You know, uh, even Catherine Hahn, you know, a, a seasoned actor. But I think Tiana Paris really carries off how excited she was to be on the set. It was really infectious yeah. watching watching her in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But Eric, do you defend Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of WandaVision? I do, because I like behind the scenes stuff, but I absolutely could have taken five or six episodes of this, which are all about 20 minutes, one focusing on the music, one over the course of the nine episodes, one focusing on the special effects over the course of the nine episodes, maybe a special on the behind, on the, uh, the one in front of the live studio audience. You know, there's a way of doing this that gives you so much more how we, how we made this, uh, kind of information. Um, whereas, as I say, just the tantalizing glimpse of the kind of footage that they have that we'll never see of the real behind the scenes stuff of how it was made. Uh, I love seeing that stuff. I've always loved that from, from being a kid. So I'd love to see more in depth. Uh, so, so of course to recommend because it is something. And we don't yeah, have anything else. But exactly. I wish we had loads more as well. Yes. Yeah. And I, I think hopefully we will get some more over the time. But gentlemen, it's time to go to the feedback section. Absolutely. Our final feedback section for WandaVision. Uh, we have some uh, feedback about the final episode, uh, about the finale, some uh, some feedback on the overall season of WandaVision. And at the end of our feedback, we'll be giving away some more Funko Pops. Whoop, whoop. Yeah. Um, first up... Over on email at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com, Michael Booth uh, says, Hey guys, first up, great to have the Defenders TV trio back on. I know you've had plenty of other shows keeping you busy, but it's so good to talk about Marvel again. Absolutely, Michael, this has been uh, really great to get Mm -hmm. back into the Marvel uh, universe um, on TV uh, and chit-chat Marvel uh, with the fellow Defenders and, of course, this trio. 
Michael continues, what a ride WandaVision has been. We've laughed, we've cried, we've sung along to catchy theme tunes. Mm-hmm. I actually watched this with my wife, who hasn't seen uh, an MCU movie since Iron Man 1, and she's been really enjoying it, even enough to watch Age of Ultron after Episode 8, so she should get more context on the backstory. Very good. Anyway, yeah. in the spirit of Defenders TV podcast, I wanted to share my top five points of the season number one the cast oh my witch elizabeth olsen nails this you've sung her praises all season but holy swear jar she's amazing of course paul bettany is brilliant as well bringing overtones of wonderful british comedy to his american sitcom plus they have been surrounded by a wonderful supporting cast none of whom dropped a beat a big shout out to Kat Dennings, who brought Dr. Darcy Lewis back for us. Yes, mm. absolutely. It was great to have Darcy back in there. Uh, and I think, yeah, I mean, the, the cast has been, uh, just tip top, uh, tip top yeah. swear jar, um, <laughs> for sure. Uh, number two, the sitcom setting. Before the series started, I saw one interview that described this as medium as plot where even the way it was recorded furthered the storyline. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how well this would turn out, and I'm so glad it turned into the unique plot device that it did. Not only did they nail all the sitcom tropes each episode, the undercurrent of tension and horror beneath it all kept me on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was really good, and I think with the making of that idea of the you know, the, the devices that they could do, um, in those early episodes to mm. put the audience off kilter yeah. just from editing or camera switches. Really, uh, really good. Uh, Number three, it was Agatha all along. Yes, the song gets its own point. It was awesome and deserves all the internet memeification it gets and none of the hate. Absolutely. The twist was hidden in plain sight with a curveball or two to throw us off the scent. As a non-comic reader, I had no idea who Agatha was, but I knew Agnes was sus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, number four, the music. The title music was always fun, not to mention Agnes's little ditty. Plus, just all the ambient theme music added so much to the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They did such a great job of capturing the just the incidental music in the background and how it reflected each of the periods throughout, uh, throughout all the sitcom eras as well. It was really good. And finally, number five, the ending and setup for the future. Well, I haven't actually seen the last episode yet. I wanted to get this in and haven't had time to see the finale, but I bet it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, it certainly is. There's a lot at play in this final episode. And um, he finishes off with so much potential going forward. Sword and Monica surely have to play a large part in the MCU lineup, and I hope Wanda and Vision are in a position to be key players in the future. I'm 50-50 on if Vision actually survives this. Also, this better not be the last time we see Darcy. Anyway, thanks for your commentary on it all. Looking forward to hearing you in the few weeks when we get Falcon and Winter Soldier. Cheers, Michael. Thanks so much, Michael, for that feedback. Loving the top five from you. Um, it's, it's really good. And you make sure you watch that final Absolutely. episode. Um, yeah, I'm really hope, uh, Wanda and Vision. Certainly Wanda will play uh, a key part in the future, uh, with Doctor Strange, um, number two. Uh, and I guess with White Vision, uh, somewhere in the, 
MCU or mm-hmm. multiverse, and uh, then we will have uh, a white vision there. And Sword and Monica, yeah, it's good to get Shield in space finally. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks so much, Michael. <laughs> Thanks so much, Michael. Absolutely. One other thing, we did get lots and lots of pieces of feedback on everybody that's been sending in their pub quiz answers uh, throughout the season. Been really good fun. Thanks so much for keeping me uh, entertained as I've been pulling out your answers for each individual episode. Uh, so we do have some feedback in from uh, and from some of the people that have entered the uh, the pub quiz competition as well. Yes. Uh, the first up is from uh, Chloe, who said, Hello, I had fun listening to your podcast. It was really fun to listen to, and I love the quiz. Here are a few things I wanted to write. Okay, here are my theories about the show that I didn't get answers to. My first one is that Senor Scratchy the Bunny is actually Agatha Harkness's cat, because I saw a picture of her holding a cat in my Marvel Encyclopedia. Jumping in here, Chris jumping in. Yes, Senor Scratchy is her familiar uh, that talking about that scene that where he turns into a demon that was never that was filmed and just didn't get in that's you're you're correct 100 percent. the next theory uh chloe goes on to say the person monica looks at in the theater is captain marvel uh could be the scroll does say he wants to see you Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming it's probably Nick Fury or Talos she, he's talking about. But she does look off camera, so maybe. I think she's she is connecting, looking- uh, that, that, that part is connecting into Captain Marvel 2, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, 100%. Or, or the Secret Invasion, which is coming as well, TV show. True, yeah. The third theory from Chloe was, my third theory is that Ralph is the witness protection person that they were looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah, Ralph I, I'm Boner. with you there, Chloe. Uh, I'm definitely with you. I, th- I think that too. Yeah. yeah. Because who would, who would, like, you'd have to pick the name Ralph Boner and then laugh about it. Exactly, exactly. And they, Chloe goes on to say, really loved your podcast, wished WandaVision never ended. Thanks for reading from Chloe Cordero, aged 12. Yes, thank you, Chloe. You are our youngest listener that we are aware of. Thank you so much for your feedback and for your just fun and, like, entering the pub quiz with us. And uh, you shouldn't be in a pub. But you're okay to do the quiz. We're okay there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, thanks so much, Chloe. That's great to get your theories through. Um, I Yeah, I didn't even think about uh, Agatha's cat being Senor Scratchy at all. Well, familiar. They're both, they're both familiar. So familiar, I don't, I don't yeah. think he changes into a cat, but I think Could do. it's a very Could do. similar thing. It's a, He's a rabbit, which is her familiar, and in the comics she has a cat, which is her familiar. I think that's all yeah. That's all it is. But excellent. Thanks so much, Chloe. Really good to hear from you. Uh, Sarah Stapleton also sent an email into us. She says, I have enjoyed this season and liked getting back to the week-to-week viewing schedule. Loved how they took it in a direction we've not seen, all while trying uh, tying it into the larger cinematic universe. Never felt like retconning, just added depth to the existing story, all while setting up new and old characters for more stories. Thanks for all the work you do on the podcast thanks sarah thank you so much sarah that's really uh, nice to have you on board listening to wandavision um, and uh yeah hope you join us for falcon and the winter soldier but i mean it's good. definitely going to be a tonal shift it certainly will um, a bit more sort of action not that there was no action in wandavision but i guess more um guns and es- espionage and, and guns and bullets yeah, yeah exactly. exactly yeah we also got some feedback through from jerry by email hey guys rewatching wandavision as a binge was not as satisfying as a week 
week-to-week show. Mm. Very interesting. Um, After listening to many podcasts with the creators of the show, it's clear to me that everyone on the show wanted to tell the simple story about Wanda's grief and focus on that. Mm -hmm. Sure, they gave red herrings in the story to throw people off, but never more than that. People such as myself who are burdened with knowledge about comics let my imagination get the better of me. I love this show. Marvel have set the bar for future shows. Mm -hmm. One final theory for Wanda. In the ending credit scene, she is surprised to see the boys' voices calling out to her. I think Nightmare is setting this up. Nightmare is working with Dormammu. Great job as always. See you guys next week for Falcon and Winter Soldier, Jerry. Thanks so much, Jerry. Um, yeah, I think, um, I'm loving this theory again. Nightmare. I think Nightmare is the one most closely associated that I have heard of. Oh, it's been banded around the most. It may not be true. Yeah. Um, that is involved somehow with Multiverse of Madness. But that it, was originally it, it, Scott Derrickson's plan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it was, um, you know, you can imagine Nightmare doing, um, that thing to, to Wanda, uh, for sure. And of course, working with Dormammu, um, yeah, that'd be great. But did he come to bargain? <laughs> he may have. He, he may, may have done. Uh, Jerry. Well done for putting together another theory at the end of the series, just to please wonderful John, yeah, our, thanks, our Doctor Jerry. Strange fan of, uh, of the podcast. Thanks so much. Yes, thank you so much, Jerry. We also got some feedback over on Facebook, and this time it is from the one, the only, Claire Payne, who had this to say. This was pure magic. I'm a huge fan of watching documentaries on how film and television is brought to life. The making of WandaVision, I think, is probably one of the best documentaries since the making of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I was so impressed that they actually had a live studio audience and rehearsed the 50s sitcoms and then went live in front of the studio audience, just like in the theatre. Just being able to listen to the actors and the army of creative minds behind this TV show is just marvellous. Sorry. Their enthusiasm is infectious and you can see why WandaVision turned out to be this good. I loved all nine episodes as you never knew what you're going to get each week. Thanks for the great coverage on your podcast, Claire. Thanks, Claire. And uh, yes, you're okay. You don't need to apologize for using that marvelous pun. We definitely would have used that. Yeah, exactly. Thanks. Thanks, Claire. And yeah, I absolutely agree with you. The, um, the enthusiasm, the infectious sort of happiness and joy from all the cast there and and the crew and, and the creators was just really really nice i i really thought it, it felt a happy place to be even with covid um so yeah thanks so much claire for for your feedback thanks so much claire really glad that you enjoyed the show i know you love background stuff uh, like i do behind the scenes stuff like i do so uh, i'm glad you really enjoyed that we also have some feedback, oh, lots of voicemails actually, in uh, for our final episode. Uh, Brandy uh, sent an email into us who trying to get it in the time for our final episode. Unfortunately, we'd already recorded. So uh, here's some thoughts from Brandy about uh, Ralph Motor. Hey guys, I just want to talk about Ralph Motor and about how I hope that once we get over the disappointment that it's not Quicksilver from the Fox universe. You know, if we ever get over that disappointment, that is, that we learn to appreciate how smart it was for Agatha to use Ralph, but also for the writers to name him Boner. Let me explain my reasoning. Agatha needed someone who was in close proximity to Wanda, but who would be of little use to Wanda. And here comes a young 20-something actor who lives a few houses down. To be honest, he's just not a sitcom regular for a family 
comedy or sitcom like Wanda is setting up. So no one would miss him. Sorry, Ralph. Now, as far as his last name being Boner, a lot of people think that that's a reference to a penis joke, but it's not. I mean, it could be, but it's not the main one. It is from traveling American minstrel shows in which there was Mr. Bones. And Mr. Bones would ask questions with the sole purpose of hoping to get a stupid answer. This became known as pulling a boner, and it was the prank segment of the show. Pulling a boner then became known as Bonehead, and that's where boner as a last name came from. But let's not also forget that his aesthetic and the way he talks and acts is very much like boner, Mike Stevens' best friend in Growing Pains, one of the shows that Wanda liked. Thank you. I love it, Bradley. That's fantastic. That's yeah. deadly. I never connected. I I connected the Growing Pains bit. All right. Uh, and then more just the 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 boner he joke. <laughs> that, like, that was kind of boner joke. Like I because it was it, it's just Evan Peters plays that term so well. It's mm-hmm. like boner, huh, huh, beavis and butthead. Exactly. Kind of like. But that's but the rest of it that that's fantastic. It Thank is. You so much. I love the 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 history of it of the traveling minstrel show being the funny piece, kind of you know putting it, trying to get the the the, the laughs and the jokes and connecting it into um, the sitcoms mm-hmm. as well, and the whole aspect of it going to boner and then bonehead and the derivation of of that that's that's great stuff thanks uh brandy for that and yeah it is it's a it's a useful um writing device as well so uh that was yeah awesome awesome stuff we've had some great theories still continuing and great um information still continuing uh in the feedback after one division it's going to live long in the memory um, from so. chloe jerry uh from brandy yeah great stuff thanks so much brandy uh we also have some voicemails in from ryan who sent in two voicemails to us uh about the about the season of one division hey guys how you doing it's ryan here with my Quick review, or try to get it in, of WandaVision, the whole season. Um, I was overwhelmed, I think, really and truthfully, if I start off with the acting. The, Paul Bettany, Elizabeth Holson, uh, Agatha, Agatha, I've forgotten her name now, it's shot out of my head, but the acting, but with those three alone, I was blown away at times. The final scene, the vision scene, vision versus vision, absolutely great the 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 battle of the minds instead of the battle of the fists was absolutely amazing agatha and um, wanda with their final scene graphics i thought were really really good really really paid off us not having any action scenes throughout the whole eight episodes this was the only episode that we had an actual full blown fight scenes and i was overwhelmed so all in all i am I am pleased. I'm really pleased. And like you guys have said on the podcast, I feel sorry for for uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier because it follows. But you know what? It is what it is. And the MCU know what they're doing. Yes, this wasn't supposed to be the first show, but boy, am I glad it is the first show. I am actually going to try and binge the whole series before Falcon and the Winter Soldier because I want to see what it's like watching it all in one go because i thought that would really make a difference but i enjoyed the week to week and i'll see you in a couple of weeks for falcon and the winter soldier guys take care thanks ryan for um for the voicemail yeah it, it was a, 
phenomenal set of action sequences and um, they're both in Westview above Westview with Wanda and Agnes or Agatha uh, and as well with the two visions um but uh, yeah I mean it, it was just so uh so good and I'm totally with you um I think the you know the actors here um the the core actors and the sporting actors just yeah. delivered something really Great. And I, I, you know, having that whole, um, series play out, uh, over the course of the nine weeks, um, has been, uh, really nice to see. And like some of our other, uh, fellow defenders who are, are listening or watching, I should say, uh, to, um, uh, the, the full one division body of work as a binge uh, jerry mentioned he'd done it so it'd be gr- interesting to to get your thoughts on on what you thought um with regards to that as a, a binge kind of project so yeah great stuff thanks ryan and following on from ryan's number one message we have his second message hi guys ryan here again I just got to the end of the podcast and was listening to some of the feedback from uh, listeners and really wanted to echo what one of the listeners had said today in regards to you guys and the information you've given us over the last eight weeks. Uh, once again, I want to thank you guys. You know, I've, I've listened to you guys from back in the day of the Netflix Marvel stuff and the information you gave us then was really good. But I do like the fact that you guys held back on some of the information, which does really help out. One of my theories um, throughout the uh, whole series is that us as fans, me included, maybe not yourself so much, but definitely the YouTube channels I've watched and the podcasts I've listened to, um, other ones have really put their theories across, which is absolutely fine. But I found that that actually ruined a bit of the program for me because I'm expecting to see the Richard Reeds, the Doctor Stranges, and we didn't. And as much as I've enjoyed this series, as I said, I think that actually ruined it a little bit for me. So thank you guys for holding back on some of the information you've been giving us because you might have ruined it not knowingly like I did with a voice note that I left at the beginning of the season. So I appreciate that. And thank you guys. See you next week uh, for Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Take care, guys. Oh, thank you so much, Ryan. That's really appreciated. And yes, you've been around forever. And my God, we have been doing this for a while. We <laughs> <laughs> certainly have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate that. Uh, this is more to do with the um, the strict iron rules of our uh, producer extraordinaire. Um, he does help keep us um, honest when it comes uh, in check but more honest when it comes to our theories because i as any of our listeners will know i like to uh sprout a few theories <laughs> every now and again and every now and again i get no 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 don't, don't say that because that actually could happen yeah and it might spoil something five episodes from now i'm like oh, that's fair that's fair that's fair. That's fair. But you're allowed to have theories. Yes, and they absolutely. play out, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. But yes. But just can't say the word. <laughs> no, but if, the, if there's certain things that will spoil yeah. the show and spoil the enjoyment of the show, we, we try not to talk about them because, you know, you're absolutely right, Ryan. I think there's the expectation of things that will happen in the future um, and then don't, which can spoil the show for you. And then the other thing is a big twist to the show being revealed because, unfortunately, there were some leaks of episodes and leaks of uh, of images online uh, mm-hmm. that did spoil little bits and pieces of things that happened throughout the show. And I was very 
clear with the guys that we could we we don't talk about set photographs that aren't officially released so um that kind of stuff so we we don't we don't we try not to spoil the enjoyment because we want to enjoy it as well ourselves yeah so, yeah exactly and I think there's also there's a plan with a lot of this stuff there's a plan with the, from the, the, the director, from the showrunner, from the writer, from the marketing department. They have a plan of how they want things to play out. It's like video game leaks, um, when, or movie leaks. Um, like they're, I try not to kind of, I don't retweet them or promote them because I'm like, no, that's some, like some poor lad in marketing. And it's happened to me when a thing has leaked ahead of our official announcement mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh no, I have this big cool thing. Oh, I had yeah. this big cool thing that I wanted to show people and people had to go, Oh my, I had this whole plan in my head of this audience reaction and it went 48 hours before. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> Absolutely. But thanks once again, Ryan. And, and great to hear from you. Hopefully we'll hear from you again throughout Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. That's it for all of our feedback. Everybody who sent in feedback throughout the season has been put into our virtual hat uh, to get some Funko Pops of the WandaVision characters. Uh, got two available uh, to send out to the the winner. Chris, do you want to give us the technological choice of uh, of who it is? We have 51 unique fellow defenders who have sent us in feedback throughout the series. That is massive for a podcast huge anybody who listens to podcasts you generally hear one or two people that send in feedback or occasional people that send in feedback but we got absolutely loads throughout the season thank you all so much for sending in your feedback absolutely thank you so much uh fellow defenders uh lovely stuff lovely stuff so gentlemen drumroll please hey google randomly give me a number between zero and 51 Here's a random number, 14. Congratulations to Richard Blaze. Yes, well done. The virtual talking hat has provided uh, your number here. Uh, So that's great stuff. Thank you for providing uh, your feedback over the course of WandaVision. It's been really good uh, to get your thoughts as well. And been great to hear about Alfie's experience watching the show as well. Uh, uh, Richard's son, Alfie, has been watching the show along with, uh, along with Richard and did send in, uh, the, uh, for the pub quiz and did send in some feedback as well. So that's great that Richard has won the Funko Pop. Excellent. I'll be in contact and uh, get you details to send out the Funko Pops to you. Whoop whoop. Yes. Do you think that uh, Google might rebrand their devices to uh, the virtual hat, John? (laughs) It's alive. Our hat's alive. I do have a Google virtual hat if you want one. I love it. Thanks, everybody, so much for all your feedback throughout the series. As we mentioned multiple times, we'll be back next week with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, my God, I'm so looking forward to that. Uh, If you also want to hear anything else that we're covering, we're also covering Pennyworth, which comes out weekly. Uh, We have the next episode, episode six, uh, coming out on the 14th of March. Uh, You can get that on TV podcast industries. I was also a guest on Run For Your Lives, talking about an Irish movie. We're coming up to St. Patrick's Day on the 17th of March. And uh, to celebrate that, I was talking about uh, an Irish horror movie with uh, the guys over on Run For Your Lives podcast. It'll be released on the uh, on the 17th uh, or maybe the 19th of March, actually. I'm not sure whether they're releasing it on St. Patrick's Day or just after. But if you want to have a bit of fun, can you guys guess what horror movie it was that I was talking about? Yes, I can. Quite accurately as I well. Think you might. I yeah, so can I. I, I, I also watched it. <laughs> it was Grabbers. It was oh. Grabbers, yes. Like well, I get a Funko Pop. I might give you a Funko Pop, yes. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, if you haven't seen Grabbers, it's a good fun movie uh, set in Ireland. Uh, very recently uh, done, but um, but we have a good deep old chat and a good laugh at uh, at the Irish uh, Irishisms and the uh, Irishness of that movie. It's great fun. Is that the one where you have to be drunk so you don't get eaten? That was the tagline for the movie, yes. but we did discuss that. Okay, good, good. good and of know. course, if you want to know anything about the dread Dormammu, uh, then of course I was recently on the Tomes of Evil podcast as well, discussing uh, Dormammu in his comic form That's right. um, with uh, Russell there from Tomes of Evil. So if you want to check that out, um, please, please do. Absolutely. It is an epic, so make it sure is. you put some time aside or have days. it on in the background whilst um, <laughs> you're, I guess, gardening or walking or or, or whatever <laughs> it you, is. If you want to get three hours of exercise in, um, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one to listen to. Uh, finally, we are going to be recording a little uh, a little guest spot on the superhero show show, uh, which you'll be able to find uh, on any good podcast catcher. Um, we don't know when that's coming out, but we should be recording in the next couple of days. So if you want to hear. Uh, all three of us talking on a completely different podcast uh, go look for the superhero show show yes and of course uh, if you want to support tv podcast industries please support us any which way uh, you can you can subscribe to the podcast over at tvpodcastindustries.com on any good or evil podcast catcher of your choice uh, and we are also on patreon as well at patreon.com forward slash tv podcast industries our facebook group is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash tv podcast industries where all the feedback all the loveliness the lovely community of fellow defenders fellow industrialists fellow gothamites you name it um, are all in the mix there uh, where you can uh, provide your comments and feedback on any of the shows uh, that we cover yes thank you so much everyone if you're joining us for the first time if you just joined us for WandaVision we would be so appreciative if you left us a review over on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts wherever you review your podcasts because that helps spread the word or why not Share the love by spreading the podcast around, like sharing it on all your socials. Yes, thank you so much. We would appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll be back very soon. Yeah, we'd love some nice reviews for the podcast. That'd be really nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good, good reviews. If you, if you want to give us one star, just don't. No, don't yeah. do that. <laughs> just, you can just, you can uh, email us a feedback at TV Podcast Industries with your that review. Speak to you again next time. Bye. Adios. Yes, thanks so much, fellow defenders, for joining us. It is a pleasure chit-chatting with you, uh, as always. And remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending. Bye. Yay! Bye. Ciao, Bella. <laughs> Chef's kiss. Mwah. <laughs> <laughs>
Nice, Chris. Thank I got your name wrong there for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it's all right. It's yes. all right. It's just it's slightly weird. Not gonna lie, but I'm I'm I'm, I'm down. I'm down for it. I'm down for it. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much again. If you joined us for the first time just to listen to One Division, please feel free to leave us a review uh, because it helps spread the word or just share the love by spreading the podcast. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Or like yes, virus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like COVID, spread the podcast. <laughs> oh my god, can we keep that? Make it exponential. Yeah.